Welcome to Leading Lights. Please visit leadinglightnetwork.com for more information and resources. Hello, my name is Rob, and I'd like to share a message with you entitled Our Enemy's Strategy. Please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to read four verses together. First of all, verse 8 and verse 9. We see in verse 8 and 9 that uh, Satan wants to attack us, and we must resist him. Let me read it to you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the whole world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Then in verse 10 and 11, we see that God wants to establish us and strengthen us. It reads, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So the enemy wants to attack us. We must resist him. God wants to establish us and strengthen us. As Christians, we must not be ignorant of our enemy's tactics, but rather expose them. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, So that you would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So today I'd like us to look at the book of Acts, and we're going to have a look at how the enemy attacked the early church. And we'll find that his tactics have not changed. He has no new tricks. He uses the same tactics in trying to attack his church in our day. First of all, turn with me to Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. And we see the first form of attack, which is persecution. We see in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, a full frontal assault against the early church. It reads, Acts 8 and verse 1, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. If We, we just need to see the context of this now. And uh, So if we go back to Acts chapter 7, and let's look at verse, um, verse uh, 54 through to uh, verse 56. In verse 54 the Sanhedrin heard this. They were furious, gnashing their teeth at him. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit in verse 55. And he looks up to heaven. He saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He says, look, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now this was the first Christian martyr, Stephen, who was stoned for his faith in Jesus. And, um, and when he's being stoned, he looks up and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now in Ephesians chapter 2, and I think it's verse 6, it says that, uh, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And as Stephen stood for Jesus, Jesus stood for Stephen. In the same way, when we make a stand for the Lord, he takes it personally and he makes a stand for us. 
Let's go across now to Acts chapter 9 and look at verse 5. And we see at Saul's conversion on the Damascus road, when Jesus confronts him, Jesus shows us that he is taking the persecution that Saul is propagating personally. Look at verse 5. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, if we go down to verse 1 of Acts chapter 9, we'll see that Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. We have to understand a principle here, that when we're facing persecution, it's not because of who we are, it's because of whose we are. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through to verse 12, we read that we are blessed when we face persecution. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, we see that we are persecuted when we desire to live a godly life, when we're trying to do something right. And in John chapter 15, verse 20 and 21, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. So if you're facing persecution for your faith, you need to understand it's because you're doing something right, not because you're doing something wrong. And even though the enemy wants to come in like a flood, and there are many people who are facing persecution around the world, we need to understand that God has an eternal plan for us, and He wants to strengthen us and establish us. And in the same way as in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 8, the persecution broke out, the church was scattered, God used that for His purposes, and so that the church could spread throughout the world. The book of Acts, we see the church going from just being based in Jerusalem into, into Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And a lot of that took place after the persecution broke out. So the first way the devil attacks the church is persecution. The second way the devil attacks the church is through compromise. Please turn with me to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 18 through to verse 20. In Acts chapter 4, verse 18, we see that Peter and John, the Lord's apostles, disciples, were called before the Sanhedrin. And to pick it up in verse 18, it says, they, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's sight, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. Let's now look at Acts chapter 5 and look at verse 27 through to verse 29. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. Compromise is the second strategy that the devil uses to try and silence, to try and attack the church of the living God. I want you to notice in those two passages, we're happy for you to get on with your business. We're happy for you to meet privately, but we're not happy for you to speak out in the name of Jesus. You and I need to be bold 
and keep on speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. We need to understand that. We need to understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We're not trying to promote religion because religion is man through his own efforts, through his own goodness, trying to reach out to God. We are trying to promote a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to understand that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And, uh, and that message, the message of the gospel, like, like um, Paul says in Romans chapter, chapter 1 and verse 16, we are not ashamed of the gospel because in the gospel, in the, in the message about Jesus is the power of God for the salvation of those who believe. We need to keep on preaching the message about Jesus. Religion says, you know, do your stuff, meet together, that's fine. But don't tell people about Jesus. We need to be determined, just like Peter and John were, and the other apostles, to go and tell as many people as we possibly can about Jesus. That's the whole purpose of this website, to Take the life-giving message of Jesus and make it available to people throughout the nations. The third attack we see in the book of Acts is an attack of distraction. Turn with me to Acts chapter 6 and let's look at two verses in Acts chapter 6, verse 2 and verse 7. In verse 2 it says, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. And then in verse 7 it says, Because they started to focus on what God had called them to do. In verse 7 it says, So the word of God spread, the number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. What happened was this, they got so busy and uh, we can become distracted by the 1001 needs and causes out there. When in actual fact, we see this phrase often used in the scriptures, this one thing I do, Mary and Martha. Mary got so busy serving and Jesus said, Oh, sorry, Martha got so busy serving and Jesus said, Mary has chosen the better part. She's chosen the one thing that cannot be taken away from her. And I think that what we do, we do need to do the work of the Lord, but we need to make sure that we're spending more time with the Lord of the work, that we're spending time with Him, that uh, we're not becoming distracted from spending time with Jesus. Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I press on. And I think what we need to do is make sure that we don't become distracted by all sorts of other needs. Now, we see in, uh, in, in Acts chapter 6, they were distracted by, by the serving on the tables. And uh, what they were doing is it was the daily distribution of food to the widows. And we know that that was an important task. In fact, in James... Uh, chapter 1 and verse 27, it defines caring for widows and orphans as pure and undefiled religion. It's what God wants us to do. But we need to make sure that we're doing what God wants us individually to do in what God is doing in the body of Christ. And if each one of us were to discover our purpose in His plan, then the job will get 
done. We need to have a servant's heart. We need to keep on serving. We need to keep on being faithful with the small things. But we need to make sure that we are doing what He's called us to do. Don't become distracted. Don't become distracted by causes that, uh, that are not primary to what God has called us to do. Um, it's, it becomes very, very dangerous. I once heard this quote, If the devil can't stop us, then he'll get behind us and start pushing us and get us busy, 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 and we'll start to miss the very thing that he's calling us to do. The fourth and final attack that we see in the, uh, in the book of Acts on the early church, and again, this attack takes place in churches today, is the attack of division. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible says they were all together in one place. Hmm? What happened? The Holy Spirit fell. And uh, where there is unity, it says in Psalm 133, God commands His blessing. Where there's agreement, God says nothing we ask, <laughs> nothing we ask would be impossible. It's amazing, really. And, uh, but then we see in Acts chapter 15, verse 39, there arose a sharp disagreement and they separated from one another. You know, God wants us to live in unity with one another. He wants us to learn to work through conflict. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's opportunities for us to learn through this website on how to deal with conflict, how to work through those things so that we can, uh, we can live free. We can live in, in real unity. And we need to understand that the unity is not around our preferences, but around Christ. He wants us to grow into Him, the head, so that we become unified and as He can command His blessing in our lives. Let's have a look at one last verse just on this thought, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. I'd like to read that to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, it says, it says, um, I, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you are saying, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Wow, that's, uh, that's quite something, an important verse. And I want to encourage you in your group, make sure, that, you, uh, that you're walking in unity. Make sure that you're walking in positive relationships. Make sure that you're encouraging one another, that you're praying for each other. Um, you know, I think it's so, so important. And the enemy will come and try and drive a wedge between relationships because you know what he wants to do? He wants to come in like a roaring lion, seeking to devour, seeking to break up, seeking to destroy the very thing that God wants to establish and bless so that it can be a blessing to you and to the community that lives around you. Four ways the devil attacks us. Persecution, compromise, distraction, and division. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you don't want us to be outwitted by our enemy. That you don't want us to be ignorant of his devices. You want to expose them. We know that we have an enemy who wants to attack us and break us down, but that your plan is to establish us and strengthen us. 
We pray today for Christians around the world who are facing persecution. We pray, Lord, that you would give them strength. And we know that you would stand with them through these difficult times. We also pray, Lord, that we would not be tempted to compromise the message, but we would make it clear that we would continue to speak out in the name of Jesus, that we would live to please you and not to please man, that we would not become distracted by many things, but stay focused on what is most important, that you have us here on the earth to know you and to make you known. And thank you, Lord, for unity. And I pray that we would guard the unity that we have in our local gathering of believers. And that when we're in unity, that you would command your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.